0: Hey Grace, so glad to be back with you as we continue our series through the book of Jonah. And what we're picking up today is in Jonah chapter two. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there if you wanna use your smartphone or anything like that. And I'm gonna catch us up a little bit. If you're not familiar with the story of Jonah, let me give you a 20 second recap of where we've been in chapter one. And so Jonah is this prophet. God speaks to him and says, I want you to go over to the Ninevites and I want you to preach repentance to them. Jonah has hatred in his heart towards the Ninevites. And so he goes, ah, I'll pass. Hard pass. And so he decides to disobey the Lord. He gets on a boat and goes the complete opposite direction of where God wants him to go. And God sends a storm. And at that point, Jonah figures out another way to escape. And he goes, I'll just die. And so he tells the guys in the boat, just throw me overboard. All right. Like it's my God. I know I know the storm is caused by him. I'm getting out of here. Just throw me overboard. They resist at first, but finally they throw him in. And once they do, the storm calms down. And it passes, and they become followers of the one true God. And we see at the end of chapter one, it says a big fish came and swallowed up Jonah. All right, so that's where we're picking up in chapter two. And so let's start there in verse one. It says, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help. And from deep, inside, from deep inside Sheol, you heard my voice. Now, I think, I think verse 1 and, and verse 2 are kind of like summary verses of the entire chapter. Like, you already know that, okay? Like, we already know this story. We, we already know from chapter 1, he was swallowed up in the belly of the fish. We know that he's going to call out to God. Like, we kind of know those things already. But what might be surprising to us is what we find here in verse 3 and 4. It says, You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me, and all your breakers and your billows swept over me. And so, what he's saying is that you're doing this. Like, you threw me overboard, you threw me into the sea. And you might go, hang on, Jonah, is your memory that messed up from the water? Do you not remember? Actually, those guys threw you overboard. And if you don't want to blame them, blame yourself because you told them, throw me overboard. But what he's saying is he's saying, no, no, God, I'm here because you are doing this. You are actively doing this. This is your wind. This is your waves. You have caused this to happen to me. And so he's making God the agent of this disaster in his life. And why is he doing that? I think is making the statement, he understands that God is disciplining him, that, that God is the agent of discipline in his life right now. And for some of us, probably all of us, that's a difficult thing for us to wrap our heads around. We don't typically think of God in that way. Like we say all the time that God is our father. But I think when we say that, what we really mean is like God is our grandfather. And let me explain it in this way. Um, so, so my my mother's uh, father back back in Tennessee, where we're from, uh, we called him Papa Because in Tennessee, there are no granddads or grandfathers. There's Papas, Peepaws, Pippity Pop Pops, right? Like that's what we've got there. Mine happened to be Pawpaw. And Paw, he grew up like on a farm, raised my mom and her brothers on a farm. And he was the type of guy, like I just remember his hands and they were like, they were just so rough. and And when you looked at him and you looked at his hands, you're like, this guy, touch dirt today. I don't really know what farmers do. But anyway, I like, he was just this like manly man. And the thing is, I remember him being around my uncles and he wasn't like an emotive guy. He wasn't an emotional guy. He was everything you would think of like a farmer, like like a 60 plus farmer, right? That's what you would think of. And so he, I never saw him like hug my uncles or kiss my uncles. Maybe he did. I just didn't happen to see it. But as his grandson, I saw a completely different side of him. Like when I would come over, I couldn't get in the house or out of the house without him hugging me or kissing me or telling me that he loved me. I remember I would go over there and he would pull me up into his lap to watch Braves games with me and feed me hard candy because when you get a certain age, hard candy just appears around you and you give it to kids. And so I just remember spending all this time with him and that's who he was. Like he was this gentle and kind and affectionate, like father to me, grandfather to me. And that's what I think when we think of God, that's what we think of. But you know, my dad was all those things too. My, my dad would pull me into his lap and tell me love My dad would, would, give me, would give me kisses and hugs. My dad would give me affection and tell me, tell me how proud he was of me, just like my grandfather would. But you know, my dad would do something my grandfather didn't do. He would discipline me. My grandfather absolutely would not. He would give me gifts and he would, like, he would joke around with me, but he didn't discipline me. My father did. Why? Because it was my father's responsibility to make sure that I grew up to be a man of integrity, Right. And so he took that very seriously. And so it was up to him to discipline me. And so I never saw that side of my grandfather. I saw that in my dad. I think when we think of God, we don't always think of him as father. Maybe we think of him as papa. Maybe we think of him as grandfather. We think of him as this just loving kind. And he's just gonna, oh, he just wants to pick you up. He just wants to hold you. But the reality is a loving father disciplines their children. Why? Because a loving father wants the best life for their kids. And we see that in the book of Hebrews. It tells us that about God himself. It tells us not to despise and not to take lightly the correction of the Lord, but instead to recognize that he disciplines those that he loves. And so we, we understand that because the father has a heart of love towards us, sometimes he brings difficulty in our lives. Sometimes he brings disaster in our life. Why? To discipline us. To, to what? To pull us back. Now, I want to be very clear. Discipline is not the same as punishment, okay? Discipline is not the same as punishment. Like God is not trying to punish us. The punishment for our sin fell on one person and that's Jesus Christ and it stayed with him, right? The full wrath of God was satisfied. Our punishment is over in Christ. But, our, but discipline's different, why? Because discipline has a purpose behind it. God is saying like, I, I'm bringing this into your life. I'm, I'm bringing this difficulty in your life because I'm pulling you away from a path, I'm pulling you away from an attitude, I'm pulling you away from a belief that's not gonna lead you closer to me, that's not gonna lead you to your best life in me. And so that's what that's the purpose behind discipline that we see. And that's exactly what's happening to Jonah, and that's what happens to us as well. And I wanna be very clear, not every time something difficult happens in your life is that the discipline of the Lord. There could be a myriad of reasons of why we we're experiencing some sort of difficulty in our life. But I am saying that I think when we do experience difficulty, when we do experience crisis in our life, it is an opportunity for us to evaluate and to ask the question, God, am I being disciplined? God, am I living a life that is pleasing to you right now? And if the answer is yes, then praise God that we serve a Father who is with us in the difficult times and that He is working all things together for our good. And if the answer is no, If you recognize there is something in your life that is not in line with how God wants you to live your life, then say, praise God that you love me enough that you would bring discipline in my life, that you would pull me back to yourself, that you'd pull me off of the path that was not leading to my greatest joy in you, and you would pull me back to yourself. But you know, even having said that, like sometimes we experience a discipline and a difficulty in our life. It just feels like too much, right? And that's where Jonah is. If you look at Jonah I want you to see there in verse five and six, look at what he says as he describes where he is. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth's gates shut behind me forever. This is a picture of Jonah, not at first being swallowed by the fish, but literally sinking to the bottom. This is rock bottom. This is not an analogy for rock bottom. This is rock bottom. And you look at this and you go, wow, this discipline seems like a lot. Like maybe next time, just try timeout. You know what I mean? Like maybe he'll get the picture. Why do you have to bring him to rock bottom? And you know, sometimes in our lives, that's exactly what God does for us too. He brings us to rock bottom. He, he disciplines us in a way and brings difficulty in our life in such a way that it feels like rock bottom, that it feels like we are absolutely overwhelmed. Why? Why? There's gotta be a purpose behind it. Because remember, it's not punitive. Instead, it's discipline. There's a purpose. So why, why does he have to bring us to those places? Why did Jonah get brought to that place? Well, he reveals it there in verse 8. I want you to skip to Jonah 2, verse 8. It says, Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. Those who cherish worthless idols, an idol. And so what Jonah's doing, this is a confession on Jonah's part where he's saying to them that, that, uh, he's saying to us, the audience, whoever's reading this account, he's saying, look, I trusted something more than God. That's what an idol is. It's believing that something else is gonna make you happy. Something else is gonna give you purpose. Something else is going to be enough for you more than God. And we believe the same thing in our lives. We have idols in our lives. There are things that will say things to us that, hey, look, if you have me in your life, I'll be enough for you, right? Like that's what money says to us. Money says, if you have more of me, you'll be more secure. You'll have a secure life, right? Or or that's what what power says. If you gain more authority, you'll be happier because you'll be in charge. That's what you really need. You, You need more control. Or we even look at the relationships in our lives and we look at them and we we make them idols because we say, you know what? My wife, my kids, my relationships, all of you, you will be enough for me, always. You'll always make me happy. You'll make me feel fulfilled. That's what I need in my life, right? And those are idols. And that's Jonah's confession here. So why does God bring Jonah to rock bottom? Why does sometimes his discipline bring us to really difficult places and brings us to rock bottom? Because sometimes it's only there that our idols really get exposed for just how weak they are, for just, how, for, for, for just the lies that they've told us about themselves. I mean, think about what Jonah says here in verse eight. He says, those who cherish worthless idols, he puts an adjective there. He says they're worthless, right? What's he saying? When I'm at the bottom of the of the lake here, when I'm at the bottom of the sea here and, and I'm drowning, everything else I've trusted more than God was not there for me, right? When I, am, when I am in this crisis moment, that money isn't really making me as secure as I thought it would. Like my, my role in society, my job, my authority, whatever it is, I'm not feeling so good about myself right now. It's not helping me while I'm in this crisis, right? And the same thing happens for us us. Like it is easy for us to live with our idols and believe everything they tell us about how they're going to make us happy and they're going to make us feel secure and they're going to be everything we need them to be. That's an easy sell when we're on top of the water. That's an easy sell when we're sitting on the boat and we got our buddies around and the the wind is blowing on our face and the sun is just right in the sky. That's an easy sell when money's like, hey, hey, look, I I will give you all the security that you need in your life. And you look around and go, I feel pretty secure. You must be doing a great job. But so what does God do? God says, I love you so much that I'm, I'm going to have to remove that from you. I need to expose that to you. I need you to see that this isn't true. I need you to see that this isn't good for you. And so he pulls Jonah to rock bottom. He pulls Jonah into a place of crisis and he'll do the same thing for us because he loves us. That's the purpose of his discipline. Again, is to pull us back to himself and expose how worthless and weak these idols are. And, and and just to just to, to make it even more clear where our idols leave us, look at where it left Jonah. If you see here, going back to verse six, he says, I sank to the foundations of the mountains, the earth's gates shut behind me forever. It's a picture of a prison, right? Like he is left there and his idols are doing nothing for him. And he goes, I am shut in forever. It's a picture of a place of death, right? And, and we see here earlier in verse, in verse 2, he talks about I'm in a place of shale, right? Like I'm in the place of the dead. It's a picture of bars. It's a picture of a prison. And that's where they leave us. And for a lot of you today, maybe that's where you realize you are. Like maybe the Lord's discipline has been, he's been so kind to you that he's brought discipline into your life. And now there's some difficulty in your life that's really exposed how, how these different things in your life that you've been trusting to make you happy and you've been trusting to be enough for you really aren't enough. And so now as you, as you see them exposed, you realize that you're not in a great place. You realize that they have left you in a prison, maybe of your own making. You're surrounded by broken relationships. You're surrounded by consequences and you just have these bars around you. And that's where Jonah is. And maybe that's where you feel like you are right now. But here's the good news. If that's where you are, then you can do exactly what Jonah did. I want you to look at what he does in verse seven. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Jonah called out to God from the depth, from the rock bottom, from this prison of his own making. And it rose all the way up to God and his holy temple. God heard him. And the same thing is true for you. The same thing is true for me. I don't know where you are. I don't know where the idols in your life may have left you. How how I don't know what kind of discipline maybe the Lord has brought into your life, what kind of difficulty the Lord very lovingly has brought into your life to expose these idols. And 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 I don't know where that has left you. But wherever you are, I don't want you to feel like, you know what? Well, there's no point in calling out. There's no point in crying out to God because he's never gonna be able to hear me. Why would he even listen to me? I'm in this place. Jonah is at rock bottom, literally. He is in a place of the dead. And it says, I called out to you and you heard me. And so if you call out to him, he will hear you and he will set you free. It leads us to the the, the final verse here in chapter two, which is verse 10. This is what God will do for you. Here we go. Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Isn't that a beautiful verse, right? Right. He commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah on the dry land. I don't know, I have people all the time in church have always told me like, I have a life verse. This is my life verse. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This is my life verse. I have, plans to, I have plans to prosper you. Hey, check it out. Look on my ankle. I have my life verse tattooed on my ankle or now I've got to check it out on my neck or whatever it is. I'm telling you if, you, if you are a real Jesus follower, you're a hardcore Christian, you will get this tattoo. This will be your life verse, right? Like the next time you go to Bible study, you'll be like, you know, I was in a dark place but then I just remembered that the Lord commanded the large fish to vomit Jonah on a dry land. And uh, I knew I could make it. You know what I mean? Like this needs to be your life first. And you go, why would why is this verse so important? Let me explain. Pastor Mike talked about last week that that Jesus actually referenced Jonah being in the belly of the fish. Here's what he says in the book of Matthew. He says, just as Jonah was three days in the belly of the fish, so the son of man will be three days in the belly of the earth. And so it's a picture, him being in the belly of the fish is a picture of him being in a place of, of the dead. His life is over, right? And so when the, when the fish is vomiting him onto dry land, you know what this is a picture of? Rebirth. A gross picture, but a beautiful picture nonetheless of rebirth. He has a new life. And I want to say the same thing to you, right? As you call out to God and as you let go of that idol and grab a hold of him, he'll give you his life. He'll give you more and more of his life. And I'm not just talking about people. If if you're out there and you have never followed Jesus before and you want to let go and you recognize that, that everything around you is not being there for you like you thought it was, and you go, you know what? Jesus is better and I want to follow him. Praise God. The Bible says he's going to give you a brand new life. But for believers out there, for followers of Jesus, I'm talking to you too. Because the reality is there's still death in us, right? There are still things in us that God is still working to make alive in us. And so as we call out to him, as we continue to let go of idols, guess what? You're gonna get to experience more and more and more of the new life that he has for us. And that's what he'll do. As we call out to him, he'll say, here's even more of my life. Here's even more of the abundant life that I came to give you. Here's more. Here's more joy. Here's more peace, right? Here's more passion for me. Here is more and more life, right? But I don't want to ignore, um, well, the vomit. There's no nice way of saying it. I don't want to ignore how messy this picture is because it is messy, right? It, it kind of like, sometimes sometimes a, a birth is, is messy. My wife, she, uh, she's given birth to all four of our kids, um, but she's super efficient. So she only had to do it three times, twins. Uh, so anyway, we, as, as we went through that, I remember the birth and I, I remember seeing my kids for the first time and just, it was just inexpressible. Just how beautiful it was, right? It was just inexpressible how how I was just in awe of what God had just given us. I was just in awe of how much I loved that little alien looking thing, right? You know what I mean? Like I just couldn't believe how much like in that moment I would have I would have taken twenty bullets for them, right? Like I was just I was just so overwhelmed with love and care for them. But you know, sometimes we go back and we watch like the video. Like I got videoed it, right? I'm, I'm one of those people, all right? But I go back and I look and I'm like, I, I want to see that. All right, Max, you're turning 10. Uh, I want to I see, I want to see, I want to remember that day where you changed our lives forever. And I look at it and I'm like, oh, it's not as beautiful as I remember it, right? Like it's, it's a little bit messy. And, and the reason I bring that up is as God gives you this new life, as he sets you free from whatever that idol is you're letting go of, I want you to know that it might not be as clean as you think it is. It might be a messy new life. Here's what I mean. Maybe you've been trusting money over God for years and years and years, and you've set up patterns of thinking, and you set up patterns of ways of doing certain things, and, and you're making a, a commitment to God today, and you're saying, okay, God, I've recognized that I've trusted this more than I've trust you, and I'm going to let go, and I want more of you. Well, praise God. He will absolutely set you free from having to hold on to that idol any longer. But but maybe you set up patterns of thinking, you set up patterns of doing things in your life with money that it's gonna take you a long time to reverse those patterns. It's gonna take you a lot of work and a lot of fight to, to surrender those things to God. And it's just gonna be a process over and over again, right? And fill in the blank, like whatever that idol is, maybe, maybe it's got deep roots in your life. God is gonna set you free today. And, and what I'm saying is he's gonna to have to set you free tomorrow too, and the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. Like this is a process of him setting us free over and over again. So I don't want you to be disillusioned. I don't want you to say, I just prayed this prayer. I just let go of that idol. Everything's all good, right? And, And I'll never have temptation again and everything will return to normal. All the broken relationships will be healed and all that. In God's good time, they will. In God's good time, good is always ahead for us. But understand that this freedom that he gives us, it's still a fight for us. It's still a fight that we fight. But I wanna encourage you with this. You know, today is, uh, is a day traditionally in the church where we recognize and remember the day of Pentecost. And, and if you're not familiar with Pentecost, it's when after Jesus has ascended into heaven, uh, his people are gathered together and the Holy Spirit of God falls on them and they are filled with power. And they speak with power and they do wonders and signs and they spread the message of Jesus across the known world in power. And so I want you to know that that same Holy Spirit that fell on the people of God 2,000 years ago is the same Holy Spirit who falls on you today. And as you and I have accepted the freedom of God, we walk in it in power. So what that means is if there's still like a mess to be cleaned up in your life, if there's still difficulty that you're going to have to deal with, you can't just simply let go of the idol and walk away. There's other things and there's patterns you got to change. And there's ways of thinking you got to change. And there's all kinds of different things. And whether this fight is a day long, a week long, a month long, a year long, a decade long, understand that you fight it with power. That's the new life that God gives us. It's a life of power. And so don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Maybe the idol that God has exposed in your life is huge. And and you're you're let, you're letting go of it and it's the first time you let go of it in a long time and and you don't even remember how to walk without it. You don't even remember how to live without it. And you need some help and it's going to take a long time. It's going to take a lot of work and a lot of fight to really, to, to, to see and, and, and finally attain the freedom, the full freedom that God has for you in Jesus. I want you to know that that freedom starts today as you trust him more than you trust that thing. That freedom starts today as you say, okay, God, I see what you're doing. I see how you've exposed it and I want you more. And as you walk in that freedom and as you fight for that freedom, again, remember this new life that God's given us, it's a life of power. And you walk with the power of the Holy Spirit and you fight with the power of the Holy Spirit and the community of God that's around you that will bear your burden and help you fight it, they're filled with the Holy Spirit too. And so we walk in the power of God. Let me pray for us. Father, I am super grateful for the, the people that you have led to, to your word this morning. I pray, Father, that, that if, if my brothers and sisters are in a in a storm right now, if they're in a place of difficulty right now and you're exposing idols to them right now, that God, you'd give them the wisdom to see it. You give them the clarity to see it. And God, you would give them the faith to let go, to let go of those idols and grab a hold of you and grab a hold of the life that you have for them. And God, I, I want to pray for encouragement for my brothers and sisters and, and, and for all of us as we continue to fight this, this fight of faith. And as we continue to grab a hold of this new life and as we continue to, to walk more and more towards you and walk away from these other things, these, these idols that would lie to us, these idols that would pull us down, these idols that, that really aren't there for us, that really can't deliver on what they're promising, the promises of you really. And so God, would you, would you encourage us to know that as we accept your freedom and as we walk now, we walk with power we walk with the power of the Holy Spirit and we fight with the power of the Holy Spirit and we move forward with the power of the Holy Spirit. So Father, I pray for that now. I pray right now as as we are scattered all over the state of Florida and as we're scattered all over the United States watching this video together, I pray for your Holy Spirit to fall on us in our living rooms and in our bedrooms and, and in our backyards and in our offices and wherever we find ourselves at today, I pray for that Holy Spirit to fall on us in a fresh way, Father, as we grab a hold of the new life that you have for us every single day. Father, we love you, we want you and we need you more than ever. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen.